Wake up, buyer payer people. It's a beautiful day. Go grab yourself another cup of joe and say hello to Jim and Michelle Rhodes on the Buy Here, Pay Here morning show. Take it away, you two. Good morning. Hello, Buy Here, Pay Here land. (laughs) Greetings from Oklahoma. Greetings from Oklahoma. We got moved to the office. Nice office background. Yeah, let's get an audio check out there. I'm a little, you know, gun shy about our audio. <laughs> some snags of late, we so have. just let us know that you're hearing us. Maybe yeah. uh, pipe in and let us know what state you're listening from this morning. Yeah, I'd like to hear from you folks. So, um, this morning, uh, well, it's been a nice weekend. Got yeah. to spend some time with the family and all of that. Thank you, Karen, for the sound check. Appreciate it. Um, uh yeah so good good weekend with the family and, yeah, very nice. and uh um yeah it was a good weekend yeah we did a an emotional gratitude rant on, yeah, friday. on friday so uh, yeah shed a few tears on that one just uh kind of you know expressing <laughs> uh what an incredible year this has mm-hmm. been already. it really has and we we spent a little bit of time um we spent a little bit of time this weekend kind of talking about, uh, well, sort of what we talked about on Friday. It's just like, where are we going for this next year? And so right. we've got some more planning to do. And we'll let you all know as soon as we uh, have a really good idea about what the theme is for the year. Yeah, I can tell you, we've got already got some uh, webinars mapped out for the coming months. Um, so yeah. start to release information on those soon. But webinars we're starting to and- uh, build a panel uh, on a couple of topics and uh so yeah, we've got stuff yeah. happening and other stuff. We've, oh yeah, um, tons of stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's, so that you're gonna you're gonna see an awful lot, and there'll be an awful lot that will be available um, broadcast live, as well, mm-hmm. and um, and then uh, stuff that we'll be we'll be doing um, and turning it into some other type of broadcasting. Yeah, and listen for a morning <laughs> show bonus point. Somebody who's the first person who can name what kind of bird dog that is in the photo behind us. So the I have no idea. <laughs> So you don't get the bonus points. Somebody else. Tommy Brandis is listening. I know, right? Uh, Yeah, I'm. I uh, come from a um, a coastal city and not a hunt. I, you know, I did. I wasn't raised around hunting, but it's been fun to sit and listen to the stories of Jim and his brother and his dad and all of the. You know, on a on a weekend, they would go out and do some hunting and be back for dinner. Yeah. You're right, Tommy. <laughs> GSP, German short hair. So that's uh, oh, kind right of, that's the kind of dogs that we grew up with yeah. bird hunting, both uh, quail and pheasants around here yeah. in Western Oklahoma. So we're with family still and we'll be for a couple of weeks. So this may be our office set up for a time as we mm-hmm. kind of work our way toward Utah to spend Christmas with Michelle's family. Yeah. Yeah. Before we head back to Florida yeah. and um, you know, we, we, uh, <laughs> we've been talking all weekend long. It's like, okay, so where in Florida are we going to move to? Cause we already missed the warmer weather. We've been, yeah. we, we, I keep pulling up the, uh, the weather, um, in Tampa area. And it's like, it's 32 degrees here. It's, we're it's supposed to be 80 there. <laughs> supposed to be waking up to like 15 degrees here tomorrow morning. So, so uh, yeah, yeah. 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 So Michelle's not. Yeah, really? we don't do the cold so well. Yeah, no going out for walks because I don't care that uh, you get warmed up as you go, but it's right. just too much. So um, today, my yep, our topic for the day is around um, what customers want and need. So difference mm-hmm. differentiating between wants and needs, and what's that mean to us as buy here pay here dealers? So. There's a lot of you know we were talking about that this morning, and so I'm throwing out ideas and things that I hear in the industry all the time, and Jim's like 
how can we quantify that? Can we quantify that? Is that just someone's gut feeling? Is that, you know, I mean, how do we quantify? Yeah. And I think um, maybe it's helpful for anybody who's listening this morning, doesn't know, uh, you know, my background. I, I came, first of all, retail and sporting goods stores before I was ever in the car business, got in the new car business in 95 as a salesperson, later worked as a sales manager and trainer in the new car space. And then in 97 was invited into buy here, pay here. 2000 started uh, consulting for mm-hmm. buying your payers. So I've traveled all over the country now and you've traveled a big part of the country with me mm-hmm. in the time that you've worked with me. And I think what we'll talk about today is partly, mostly anecdotal, like observational things mm-hmm. that we see out there in the space. And there are a couple of things that are factual. And the reason this is important is because I, I'm like a lot of you dealers out there where I get a little frustrated when I attend these events sometimes and people step up on the stage and they start introducing numbers and, you know, they might put some sort of label behind them, but the data is sometimes incomplete. Mm-hmm. And I just, I get frustrated if, if back when I owned a dealership, trying to make business decisions based on incomplete information mm-hmm. is really not, not my favorite. Like I would just yeah. rather we share all the information, be transparent, let dealers make their own judgment. Cause you know, my observation is dealers are smart people. They can make yeah. their own decisions about how to run their business, but they need complete information to be able to make that. Well, and, and we're finding um, with more and more technology, AI, all of that, that we're getting better mm-hmm. information that yeah. is more quantifiable. But I'm, even those sometimes, um, you know, there's been times that it's like, I'll be, I'll be quoted a, a, a number and I'm like, and what about this? And it's like, oh, didn't think about that. Right. So, you know, it just, um, yeah, there are some things that are starting to be quantified, Yeah, but there are a lot of things that are, that we're it's. C- we're certainly learning. Yeah. I mean, machine yeah. learning and AI and all those things everybody talks mm-hmm. about, it's starting to uh, become more available to us in the buy here, pay here space. And I think mm-hmm. there are certainly lessons to be learned about that. I think for today, I would say the main thing that I would bring that is factual, and I doubt that anybody's going to make me bring out any spreadsheets on this one because <laughs> you it's might have pretty one widely somewhere. known. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. We've got plenty of data on this, but the idea that the lower the ACV, just generally speaking okay. across almost any dealer's history, the lower the ACV, the more gross margin or rate of return that dealers enjoy okay. on the lower cost of car. So what about though, here's something I'll play devil's advocate. Please You're do. welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so uh, with a lower ACV, a lot of times that means it's a rougher car. And so, I mean, most of the time, it seems like it's got a, maybe a few more miles on it, a few more dents on it, a mm-hmm. little bit more rust on it, maybe a little bit more wear and tear. Um, when it's a lower ACV, does that typically equate to more problems? That's what a lot of dealers would tell mm-hmm. you. I think the question is, can they prove it? I can't prove it. In other words, I don't have the data that we have is kind of what I call disjointed. It's just, it's a small data pool here and a small data pool there. And there's not enough mm-hmm. aggregate data for us to make any real judgments about that. Mm-hmm. And so, and obviously again, with the AI, we're learning more and more about that. But for today, I would just say, let's, let's not, of course, loan performance is going to be essential. But I would say if somebody's telling you that a low ACV car does form as well, make them show you. I'm just saying, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you something today, you know, that is, and I'll say if it's just based on observation or it's based on anecdotes, I'll say, but if, if somebody's telling you at a, at an auction lane that I stay away from those used, 
you know, those high mile cars because those loans don't perform as well. I mean, do they really know? Do they, can you really back that up? So I'm just saying, let's look at facts. Let's differentiate. So for today, it's like when we're talking about a customer's wants versus needs, I'm really trying to break that down in terms of process, like what we see in terms of process and what we see that influences cost of car, inventory mix, mm-hmm. those kind of things. And what I see is, and, is, and the reason my retail, my uh, new car experience and used car departments is rele- relevant here is because one of the things that you observe mm-hmm. when you're around the new car business and I just remember, you know, uh, sales managers having a salesperson come to the desk and, you know, they'd be working with the sales manager and, you know, selling them on, Hey, this customer's this and this and this. And, and the sales manager sometimes say, how about you go back and sell the customer instead of coming in here and selling me? Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. And so the reason that relates to buy here, pay here is what we see. This is Mm -hmm. observational, but what we see often happens is some of you dealers that are listening can back this up. Salespeople often are telling the buyer, telling the general manager, the dealer, Hey, we could sell a lot more cars if if we had this, you know, if we had, if we had more third row, third row SUVs, or if we get more four wheel drive trucks or, you know, name it, just like Mm -hmm. we could sell a lot more. I'm missing a lot of business if we had more of this. So we start to respond to that Mm -hmm. thinking, Oh, well, I want to sell more cars. So my salespeople are telling me we should have more of this. So this is anecdotal. I'm just saying, based on my observations, often what happens, and this is just kind of a natural progression. You've heard Mm -hmm. me talk about this. Dealers who are brand new, they start out buying a pretty low ACV car. They tend to progress. And Tom, if you're still listening, you've seen Mm -hmm. this plenty. You've been involved in 20 Mm -hmm. groups. You've seen this with other dealers. They naturally progress over time. They start moving up the scale in terms of cost of car. So is, okay, let me ask you that. Um, Is that because, um, you know, obviously, like you said, there's um, a lot of team members that will say, hey, if we had this, because they have a hot week and they sell two truck pickups Uh or whatever. And so they want to have more of a specific thing. And I totally lost what my train of thought. Well, I think sometimes it's reactive. I think where I I heard you going is like, it's reactive. Like they had a week, they, they saw some, some business opportunity. I don't think any of us would be surprised that if a poor credit customer Mm -hmm. comes in and, you know, the same customer who's got, you know, two years job time and Mm -hmm. $800 down, obviously we could put them in a nice car. They'll, they'd like to do that. Most of them. Yeah. Anecdotal, but that's, you know, again, some of you dealers listening in could chime in and back me up on this. Like for the most part, we can put a deep customer in a nicer car. They'll choose that. And so it's not surprising to me that we might become reactive to what our customers are telling us on the lot and what the salespeople then come and tell us at the desk or whatever that we might naturally move. So, so back to the thing about why dealers progress over time, the longer they've been in business, oh. the higher they move up in terms of cost of car. Well, I can probably point to at least three reasons that they might do that. One would be this responsive to being responsive and reactive to the team. Mm -hmm. Another would be because they theorize Mm -hmm. that that loan is going to perform better. Lower mile Uh car, newer car. (laughs) I bet I can guess what the third one is. Go ahead. Because it just looks damn better. It looks better. (laughs) It looks better. They like the way it looks on their lot. And so, you know, there's certainly... Uh, this is always a hard conversation to have uh-huh. but with some of our dealer clients. We have to sometimes say, you know, sometimes we shift because of 
ego and we want it to look better. We want it to have a certain polish and a mm -hmm. certain look. If it's going to have our badge on the back of it, we want it to look a certain way. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, that's about sales and a sales mentality and a little bit of ego mm -hmm. because we, if we're really in the finance business more than we're in the car business, then we're really providing a finance solution. Well, and, but I mean, I'll pay again, devil's advocate. Mm -hmm. You, you want to make sure that your vehicles are not like, uh, I don't know if you remember Matilda, the, the show, Danny DeVito was the used car salesperson and he's using gum to keep a bumper on yeah. or whatever, but you know, you, know, you want to make sure that it's, it's going to perform and get them to, to A and B and all of those kinds okay, of things. But, but putting a, putting a thousand dollar bumper on it instead of gum is going to make the loan perform better. No, I'm not saying bubble gum, the car. That's not my, <laughs> I'm not saying duct tape the cars. I'm simply asking the liquid question. nails, yeah, liquid yeah, nails yeah. The car. because one of the things we see is that, um, uh, you know, often dealers are responding to these and listen, we're having this conversation today at a time when cost of cars have jumped up, yeah. you know, we're everybody's struggling yeah. to find inexpensive cars and we're seeing dealers do it. Mm -hmm. It's just that, uh, they're often, they're having to go to a branded title or, you know, yeah. rebuilt title, some kind of stuff to do a more affordable car. Uh, some of them are going to an older, you know, vehicle in terms of model year and miles, whatever to, to make the thing still work. But at the end of the day, we're, we're, we're all in the finance and, and mathematics business. Mm -hmm. Like the math has still got to work. That's, and so it's like, take ego out of that. And let's like, what does the math tell you? And then we were talking to a, a client of ours. Oh week or so ago and we were kind of going over this um this question mm -hmm. and um their uh, their sales manager said something to the effect of we need cheaper cars mm -hmm. we could um, sell more we, we could sell more if we had cheaper cars which is mm -hmm. the exact it's the antithesis yeah. of what you were talking about it's like we could sell more if we had cheaper cars and so jim took the opportunity let's like let's dive into this mm -hmm. why do you think this and he's like because um, the more expensive cars that requires more down, we're not getting approved and you know, that, that we need cheaper cars so that people can, we can actually put people in them, mm -hmm. which brought the question, okay, so what does your underwriting look like? And yeah, yeah, so this is the kind of work that Michelle and I find ourselves doing week in and week out. It's like working with dealers to figure out because most of you dealers mm -hmm. out there and buy here pay are, are doing what I call working within the box. Like, you know, everybody talks about outside the box. Well, in buy here pay, we kind of have to work inside mm -hmm. a box. We have certain limitations, the customer's down payment, their income is going to limit what we can do in terms of a payment. We probably have a policy around length of contract, which means all those things kind of paint us into a box, mm -hmm. right? And so that just means that we, in order to fit within that box, reasonable time frame, then we end up kind of working through different ACVs to try to make it work. Well, and I, okay, and I'm just, this is just not outside kind of an outside observation is, is if, if we know that the customer has not been a, that they really haven't had their income go up mm -hmm. drastically. So we already kind of know what kind of payment they can have. That's a, that's a box that doesn't change. Um, um, I'm seeing a lot of dealers change it. Regrettably. Well, I mean, they're I, changing it, yeah. but is it, I mean, and I would really love to see the numbers and whether or not when dealers are putting, uh, people that are making the same amount of money then for, and like the $400 or $450 a month was something that was comfortable. And now they're in a five, five fifty, six hundred $600 a month payment. Are they performing the same as they did 
as, as the 400, 450. Yeah. So that's where we, yeah. we don't have enough data to be able to, you know, back up some of those things. So I think that's Looking where we, yeah, it. this is where we, uh, we always look forward to working with uh, partners who have that kind of data, who can really speak to this thing more specifically. And this is where I'm just, I'm, just know that I'm going to be out there on behalf mm -hmm. of dealers, asking everybody in our industry to get more specific, to get mm -hmm. more transparent with the data that they're sharing so that when anybody stands on a stage or comes to a webinar or whatever, when they share data, that there's, you know, more information about what data pool are we talking about? Mm -hmm. Because, and again, even if you look at the data, that doesn't mean that you would adapt your business model. I mean, your business model if you're a dealer who chose a certain business model, you might not want to deviate from that. As a kind of exaggerated example, years ago when I was a dealer, I used to tell other dealers in 20 groups and other people that, you know, the unfortunate reality for my customers mm -hmm. is when cost of car goes up, what that means for my customer is that they now end up on our inventory. They end up with a car that is a little older model year and a little higher miles because I have to be true to my cash flow plan. Yeah. Which means I have to be disciplined about my cost of car. And if I'm going to stay disciplined about my cost of car, then that might mean that my dollar doesn't go as far. I'm now buying a little older car. So this is a real exaggerated example yeah. of what dealers are wrestling with now. Well, let me ask you, does does having a reinsurance, a good reinsurance program mitigate some of that risk of having the older car? Yes. Yeah, it certainly would. So, I mean, so if you're going older car and you've got to go to reinsurance and, and it's a car that the... The dealer can feel comfortable, you know, an old, uh, lower ACV dealer mm -hmm. can feel comfortable with the down payment and the customer can, can be, be comfortable. If there's a difference with the customer that I've noticed, there's a difference between the customer feeling comfortable and actually being comfortable Good. because Good they'll, you know, it's how many, how many times have we heard, um, I can't come up with $900 today, but I can make a $900 a month payment. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or you whatever, know, whatever yeah, exactly, it is, the six hundred dollars, yeah. or, or whatever it is. But yeah. um, so the customer's going to feel like I can be really comfortable with this because you know. But helping well, them. Well, you just heard me say again. I've said yeah. so many times in my career is like, and Tommy's still out there. He can verify this. Is like one of the things we've always said is that for the most part, buy here, pay here customers are really focused on the day they're buying. They're really focused on what does it take to get in the car. Mm -hmm. How much down payment would I need? Mm -hmm. What does it take to get approved? And then the payment is is almost last. Like they'll just figure out whether they can handle the payment when mm -hmm. the payment comes due. Well, That's and later. then they'll they'll stretch themselves quite. They'll overcommit. They'll overcommit. Yeah, if you put a contract, they and somebody's need got in a tight spot, a car and they want their that car one. broke down or mm -hmm. got repossessed or whatever, they're in a tight spot. You put a contract in front of them, even though the payment feels a little high and uncomfortable, they'll probably still sign the contract. Mm -hmm. Now, again, anecdotal. You know, can we prove it? Um, I think dealers out there with a lot of experience can say that they've seen this happen, but back to our original conversation, which is around needs versus wants. It's like, why does this matter? Well, if we're responding to the customer's wants, then that might cause us to move up in terms of cost of car, newer model years, miles. And while that might still work, maybe if we have, you know, ample access to capital and it fits within, you know, our structure and the, mm -hmm. and you know, the, the underwriting software suggests that the loan is going to perform well, then if that's what, if that's what the data supports and that's the business model that we're choosing, then that's fine. Obviously that's perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. What I see often though, is that dealers are, adjusting to that based on some reactive thing and not based on real and 
obviously the part that's factual about this is if we, if we increase our cost of car and our down payment does not increase, you know, in a corresponding way, then we're going to consume more capital in funding buy here, pay your contracts. Now, can we afford to do that? Every dealer's answer on that would be a little bit different, but mm-hmm. it's like the reality is when we do move up in cost of car, if the down payment remains about the same, then we're going to consume more capital. And that's not new. Like that's, that's dealers are mm-hmm. wrestling with that right now. Many dealers have, you know, used up more of their line of credit or have used up more of their own bank accounts in recent years because the cost of cars moved up, but the customer's down payment hasn't in a corresponding way. So it's just really, when we go back to the thing about wants and needs, it's like, I think what I'm really asking dealers to contemplate is, are we, if we're adapting because the data supports the fact that a higher cost car, lower mile car will perform better for us in the long run, then obviously that makes good financial sense. If we're moving up in cost of car because we have the perception that one, it's going to look better on our lot, mm-hmm. two, it's going to, you know, the customer has more. The one of the things I hear from dealers is that, you know, the customer will have more pride of ownership and more mm-hmm. commitment to the car. Well, that's a good theory. Can we prove it? Does the data support that? So it's like, oh, I've, I've been on lots where it's like, this was, this was a very nice car, a very, very nice car. And then it gets, yeah, yeah. Um, where, and it's, it's, it's been repoed or it's been in an accident and it is like trashed and it's a nice car in multiple accidents. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's like, so you get the idea though, whether it's mechanical or whatever, it's like, if, if the data supports it, it's one thing that's, that's perfectly fine. We're, mm-hmm. We all want to make good judgments based on our business, the performance of these loans. Uh, it's a little like, uh, you know, can we make sure that it's really, um, um, you know, performing in the way that, that, that we expect? Mm-hmm. Because I think often we just, what I see dealers regrettably doing is they, they're reactive, whether it's information from a 20 group or information Mm -hmm. they saw at a conference or some other dealer in the auction lane that they regard as a mentor that they regard as, you know, a successful dealer, then you start moving. And and I'm just saying, I I would like to make sure that the data supports the strategy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I see, I see more and more data being collected. And I think that in order for it to be really, 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 this is just my perspective, Mm -hmm. In order for that data to be really like rock solid is there's another piece to this is that it would require everyone to have the same basic um, underwriting, the same right. basic. I mean, you know, it's like there's there's certain things that would need to be kind of more standardized. Yeah. So there's, you know, this you can almost break it up into two things. I'm really suggesting and the part that I said at the beginning that's factual is like at the time of underwriting, regardless of what the underwriting software might suggest is the outlook for loan performance, mm-hmm. there's still the matter of cash management. So mm-hmm. regardless of what the loan performance looks like based on the underwriting projection, you still have the matter of cash consumption. Yeah. And that's, that's actually, you know, with some clients that we have that, uh, you know, I'll get in and I'll take a look at their underwriting software and, and I see, all right, this should have been improved. This should have been improved. This should have been improved based mm-hmm. on their criteria and it's like it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't and so you know it's like why and it's usually a cash management question yeah so you know going back to that client that you referred to that we've been working with has um 
you know, quite a bit of history, good mm-hmm. size portfolio, good size volume. I mean, good amount of volume. And so there's enough data to be able to analyze, you know, in that situation and be able to make some, some assessments. And so the question became out of that conversation that referring to the question became, okay, we're, our sales manager is saying we could produce more sales if we had cheaper cars. Now, so I've asked the question, okay, so let me break that down. If, if our customer had a thousand dollars down and could afford a payment of four fifty a month to spit within their payment to income ratio, then if we put them in one of those nicer cars, lower mile cars, would, would we be able to get that approved? Would under, maybe, maybe it's a, an exception on term. So are we, are we trying that deal in the sales department and letting underwriting make a judgment mm-hmm. or are we just passing on it because we know underwriting won't take the deal because that becomes the question is customers showing up on the lot, same qualification. Most of them thousand down can do 450, 475 a month. Uh, you know, same credit profile, job time, all that stuff. They the same profile, the underwriting software projects a high degree of success mm-hmm. on the loan. Why are we passing on it? Well, could, could be as simple as cash consumption, cash mm-hmm. management. So that really begs the question. Okay. The loan, the, the, the software says the loan will perform at that mm-hmm. term. So really it also goes back to a different question, which we can address in a whole different uh, session is like, do, are we complicating the sales process in a way that is inhibiting or, you know, restricting our sales? Are we making the process complicated by putting cars that satisfy the customer's wants and needs on the lot where sometimes the customer comes in based on a certain want, we can't approve them. We won't approve them. They uh, still need a car. Yeah. They, even though they meet the typical qualifications, they, we won't approve them because they're, they, the contract length may be a little longer than our policy. And now have we missed that sale altogether because we started out on a B car. Now we're trying to move them to a C car and or so, whatever, yeah, yeah. whatever it is. It's like, I'm saying, yeah, we're picking, um, I'm just picking that as a categorization, like type of car, class of car. But when we, if, if we could start out addressing the customer's needs mm-hmm. and this is where our sales process has got to really drill down to when we meet with somebody are we first identifying the customer's needs? Because you've heard me in training. We're always saying we start with the most affordable car that will meet the customer's needs. needs. And it's it's about ha- asking the right questions and, yes. and being conversational about, you know, what the car, how many people do you have in your family? Mm-hmm. What kind of um, sure. work do you do? Um, how, how far do you have to go to right. work every day? Yeah. And so we can start to wrap up here because the rest was a whole different conversation. But it's like... Um, I'm really trying to understand if, if I meet with a customer and I determine what their family circumstances mm-hmm. are, how they drive the car. And I determine I've got cars in the inventory that will meet their needs based on, you know, typical down payment and payment. And now they, they want something different. Like I've got cars in inventory that seem to meet the needs that they described and they fit the profile and we probably can get that approved, but they want something else. Third row SUV. I'm happy to accommodate. I always tell the customer, you know, if I'm sitting with them in that situation, uh-huh. I would say, I'm happy to try to help. You know, I obviously want you to have the car that you want. Um, and just understand if we move to there, you know, we may need some additional down payment. 
or payment might be a little bit higher. Maybe we need to talk about some payment from your tax refund, something. I'm happy to try to help the customer buy the car they really want, but I'm also taking them through a, an exercise, so to speak, where they can see for themselves that I have to help myself. If I want to move to that car to satisfy my wants, I have to be in a position to help myself. If I'm not, maybe I need to go look at these cars that'll meet my needs. And now mm-hmm. if, I, if I did that as a salesperson, I think my closing ratio would be much higher because I, I start here based on the customer's needs. Mm-hmm. And I think my ability to close them. And, and like I say, the, the hard facts of the math su- suggest that when we stay here and meet the customer's needs on a lower ACV car, it fits within that box we were talking about. And we enjoy more mm-hmm. profit um, relative to cost, more profit relative to risk. Will the loan perform better? Mm-hmm. That's a different conversation. And, you know, it's interesting to think about like does the psychology of if, if, um, if you're not on the front end doing um, your, your, uh, you know, ask, asking the questions and, and finding out exactly what it is that they need and then presenting them with the, the lower cost um, vehicle that fits those needs instead of, or, you know, if, if you're doing that and conversely, you just like, which car do you want? Well, let's mm-hmm. see if we can get you in it. It's a lot easier psychology. Um, mm-hmm. It's a lot easier to take someone from, a, you know, this is the lowest priced car. They're like, well, can we get into that? And it's like, well, let's see what we can do. Then going, we tried this one, can't do it. Sorry. So now you're going to have to go down. So it's like people, it's the psychology of, you know, going down, people are going to leave. Yeah. Um, if they're going, if you're going up to a nicer car, cause it's at, you know, after you've already kind of gone through the, the, uh, the, this is what you need. And this right. is the lowest price car. It's, it's kind of, it turns, I would think, mm-hmm. um, into more of a win-win right. in, in the psychology and the, you know, how, how a customer feels about the experience then, well, this is the car that I want. And you're telling me I can't now I have to have a crap car. Yeah. or whatever it is, you know? Yeah. But we can, I think we can see, and uh, I was reading Tyler's comments there about the the bumper. I think, you know, Tyler, we all understand, uh, you know, those of us been around the business, we recognize that, that we, we all want our cars to look nice. I'm not suggesting mm-hmm. that we have raggedy cars on the lot. That's not what I'm proposing. I'm simply saying that we meet a lot of dealers who say they basically recondition everything. Like they try to make the cars near perfect. And I'm thinking, is there any, math to back up your decision to do that if there's not what is the motivation well because if you're fixing everything and you're going from a 500 dollars recon to a thousand dollar recon that's 500 dollars right mm-hmm. there that is that's another cash management question isn't so it so if it's about perception mm-hmm. then if we're buying that for our own perception then that's a business decision that we're making that in my mind, if the if the numbers don't support it, then what's our basis for doing that? Like it's it's so that's really the becomes the question <laughs> is what's our justification for spending all that money to mm-hmm. make that car, you know, tears and seats, whatever it might look like. These are all kind of optional things that you know when I work with new dealers and we're helping them make judgments about mm-hmm. reconditioning, it's just challenging. Like how mm-hmm. much cosmetically, how far do we go mm-hmm. cosmetically? How far do we go with suspension mm-hmm. things and things that are they're not unsafe? They're just making a little noise. I mean, how far do we go? I mean, if you can do it and it's super cost effective, then you know, okay. But yeah. if you're if you're doing it and you're spending a lot more, then 
Why? Yeah. And then I think I didn't expand on your question earlier about would reinsurance solve some of that? The answer for me is yes, it would solve some of that. And, and dealers will say, well, whether, you know, I'm, if it's reinsurance, I'm going to repair it later. It's just coming out of a different pocket. You know, it's coming out of my claims on my reinsurance company instead of my original sales company. That may be true, but we're really just saying that you're, if you're going to support the customer after the time of delivery, then we just need to look at the math. Like let's not speculate Mm -hmm. on which will perform better because it looks better or because it's got lower miles. Let's, let's get down to the math because in the end of the day, we're at the finance business, we're in the loan performance business. And so bulk buyers out there, you know, would certainly get this, uh, a lender would certainly, we're, we want the loan to perform well, but do we have the data to show that the loan will perform better if we do X, you know? And so that's the part we're really trying to identify here. And I'm just telling you, when we brought this conversation, I just told Michelle, <laughs> we're going to stick to what's factual right? Uh-huh. And we're not going to promise anything else that we talk about is fact. We're yeah. going to ask dealers to go find their own facts. Yeah. Right? What's Jared have to say? Jared wants to know if we've done loan analytics performance based off Apple of Apple versus, versus. you're really trying question. to derail what we're talking he's about there, Jared. Buddies, Dude. He's on my side. <laughs> he's an Android warrior. So uh, good morning. That, that, that's a great wrap up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah so, but yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. bring the rest of the conversation. I think there's a whole track of this and we look forward and, to bringing the data people. And I just we, like yeah, we look forward to, to, um, you know, as, as we can start to collect better data and, mm-hmm. you know, we've got some people in the arena that are starting to collect data and the more data we get, mm-hmm. the, the better we're going to be able to answer those kind of questions. Yeah. And I would say, you know, when, when we see people out there on social media saying in a, you know, on a Facebook group or whatever that, you know, this, this thing has always performed better for me, just show us, let's don't, let's don't talk about things and not back it up with some data you know, let's, let's, let's try to make sure we're transparent yeah. and that we're not steering people based on our own perceptions. Yeah. Right. And, and that I actually, I not squirrel and I don't want to um, continue mm-hmm. uh, since we want, are wanting to wrap up, but um, I just, I reflect on a conversation we had a couple months back with a dealer and, um, and they were chatting and they were talking about how their sales are down Um. And we kind of got talking about like, what's your model da, 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 and, and said, yeah, we changed the model about so-and-so, you know, mm-hmm. months or a year ago from this to this. And, and so, you know, and, but there, but in their mind, there was no correlation to the fact that they changed their model and their sales were down. Ah, right. Yeah. yeah and it's point. just, well, that might be something to take a look at because uh, you, you sold more when you had a lower ACV. Right. And so, yeah. Yeah, I think if there's any takeaway from me today, what I would ask dealers to contemplate is are our salespeople on the front line, if they're working and meeting with a customer out there, chatting with them online, mm-hmm. are we really focusing on the customer's needs and starting with the most affordable car yeah. that will meet the customer's needs and then working up from there? If we're Moral not, of that's, the a, story. that's a pretty good place to start. <laughs> yeah, start and, with the lowest ACV car or the lowest priced car that will fit the needs and work your way up. Yeah. Because, because uh, that solves our cash management problem. Mm-hmm. It's going to, it's going to give us more mm-hmm. rate of return, more gross margin, more profit relative to risk. It's like, mm-hmm. if we can stay there, then most dealers that I talk to like that model, 
then we just got to look to loan performance. Yeah. That's the next thing. But. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of different layers in that about, you know, someone coming in and saying, I want to test drive that. And it's like, well, do you let them before you figure right, out sure. whether or not it's something that they, that they can actually do or yeah. um, if it'll be outside of their. This is why we say we're not going to run out of stuff to talk oh, about on the yeah. morning show. There's plenty <laughs> to talk about in the buy here, pay here arena. So. Um, so yeah, uh, if, if there's something that you guys have a question about or would like to, to get a little bit of insight and, and, uh, hear about what, what this dude here, who's been in the business for quite a while has to think and, and whatever and, I don't know, Michelle knows. So it works out well. I, I, well, I can guess. And I, as long as I say it with authority right, sure. then everyone will. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, just let us know if there's something we can, uh, we yeah, can chat about and if there's anything that we can help with as well, um, you know, that you all kind of have an idea about the things that, that, that we work on, um, we work as coaches and it's more operational and, um, some marketing and, yeah. and, uh, yeah. So and just know okay. I'm going to be out there in the meantime, I'm going to be out there asking folks to be transparent with their data on uh, <laughs> all points uh, on behalf of dealers. Let's uh, let's get dealers more yeah. uh, complete and transparent information so yeah. they can make good judgments. Hey, guys, thanks so much for joining us today. We will be back on Wednesday for White Hat Wednesday. Right. And um, yeah, got something up our sleeve for that. Tune in right. Wednesday. We'll talk to you all later. Thanks again. Yeah.